I may filter my Instagram, but never my opinion. I don't know who any of these people are, but now VPR <laughs> is my North Star. <laughs> and we just got a little example of that before we started recording. <laughs> More news happening. Make it wow. stop. Uh, you guys, it's Andy's Girls. Um, this is going to be quite a fucking episode. I'm going to tell you that right off the bat. One of my favorite guests returning to the people's people's Zoom kiki couch, etc. She's been in the office. She's been on my mind. I'm so excited to chat. So first, let's introduce her to all of you. You know her as co-host of Daily Blast Live and NAACP award-nominated host of Comeback with Erica Cobb, a podcast and social media show available wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Welcome back to Andy's Girls, Erica Cobb. Erica, how are we? Oh, thank you, Dame. I'm so <laughs> excited to be back. I, you know, I listen religiously. Oh, I, you are just a part of my weekly routine. <laughs> You know what? That is maybe the greatest compliment that I can hear. Not only that, like, I am potentially, or the show rather, is potentially a part of someone's daily blessed, shall we say, mm. to borrow from a certain yes. show title, but also that you, of all people, would say that because you know how much I respect your opinion, number one. And number two, just as important how much fun I have every time you come on <laughs> this goddamn social experiment of a show. I love it. I love it. I was in Vegas like uh, in January and I, I was DMing you oh. saying, oh, like responding to something that you said. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in Vegas. I love listening, especially when I'm out of town because it reduces my anxiety because it's like a part of my regular routine. So I, I love this. I love what you do. I love being here. Thank you. Thank you. What were you doing in Vegas, number one? I'm just sweet jelly. Child, partying it up. <laughs> Aim another show where all the female hosts and like producers decide to go on a trip together. Our makeup artist, Jeray, was like, it's not totally a girl's trip because I'm here. But then like it was amazing. Like we had the best time. That's why our daytime talk show is different from any other <laughs> daytime talk show. <laughs> Wait a second, that is number one so incredible, but honestly so freaking rare. Because everyone moved to Denver. I was already living here when the show started, so no one knew anyone. So we have, basically, we we are a reality TV show that produces a daytime talk show. Like, there's relationships, we bring them into the show. It, it was, wasn't necessarily intended to be that way, but that's just what happens when you pick eight strangers to live in a city that they've never lived in before, you know? <laughs> yeah. That actually makes me wonder. So obviously there's the morning show with Reese and Jen, and there have been different docu-series taking place in various newsrooms. Um, Hulu had one with uh, the New York Times in the last couple years that was like a limited series. Mm. Um, but would there ever be like a full-on reality show that would take place at potentially a morning talk show do you think that could ever exist like is that realistic I, I don't think it's not not realistic um <laughs> <laughs> the ways in which that would change the dynamics of our relationships but I don't I don't know if it would change it that much like 
we literally like we fight, we make up, we're very honest with each other. Like our like my motto about it is I love y'all. Like I sincerely love my co-host, mm. but there are times and everyone's caught it where I don't necessarily like one of them or two of them or whatever it is. And I'm, they don't necessarily like me. And but we have to it's like a reality TV show. The moment that someone decides or the entire cast decides that you're not going to film with one person, it doesn't work. And you see how mm -hmm. some of these like longer franchises, like look at Miami, for instance, the fact that they have so many OGs and they went on hiatus and they came back is really a testament to the idea that they have real relationships and they all have this fundamental, you know, responsibility or desire to want to make this show work. And they understand that the show doesn't work without the relationships. And that's really, you know, kind of the genesis of Daily Blast Live, whether it was intended that way or not. Well, that makes me think of Miami having just seen what I consider a prestige first episode of their reunion, a, a reunion so good that there were reveals that weren't mentioned in any way in like promotional stuff leading up or the trailer where I'm like, mm. what the fuck happened? Like things that just happened that it was explosive and funny and and felt truthful at points. All of that being said, what I found most helpful and what I've really appreciated about this season is that it feels like the show doesn't mm. come first. These women choose to put themselves right. first and each other first. Like it feels like while the circumstances may not exist but for the show, I'm like watching these women speak to each other and yeah. listen. They might fight. They might disagree. They might fight about disagreeing and feeling like someone else isn't listening but it feels like I mean to borrow a phrase like it yeah. feels like we see each other when we're you know doing the show and I think that is one of the reasons that I have been so obsessed with this season because it there is that active listening taking place that active connection yeah, I think that Miami also, and I'll just clarify because I told you I was caught up on everything, but Miami dropped today and I just got home. So I haven't watched the actual reunion yet. That's okay. That's, That's tonight okay. for me. That's okay. Um, and I'm a couple hours behind you. <laughs> um, but um, I, I think that Miami kind of has the benefit. I guess at first it probably looked like a negative, but now we know it's a benefit of realizing that this doesn't last forever. And it could be taken away from you. Mm. And the fact that they had the opportunity to get it back and they returned, it, I think it means more to them. And they've had the time to really dissect, like, what's important. Like, I think Miami is one of those rare franchises where everyone can kind of be the star at different points of, of the equation. Yes. Everyone has a time to shine, whether it's, in a bad light or in a good light, but like they are going, one of them is always going to get the attention and the arrest of them allow that to happen. And that is really, that's a team. Like we have franchises and cast, but Miami is an actual team. Yes. And I feel like even if some of these women really don't want to fuck with each other, like the Adriana, Alexia, Marisol stuff is going to be at a high heated temperature. I think throughout the course of the reunion, it's going to be kind of difficult 
because, again, that active listening doesn't necessarily happen with all people at all times, but it does feel like a connective thread. Even with that being the case, it does feel like there, it feels like there's an interest in friendship with each other and in supporting each other that isn't always seen as a goal. It just feels like for some of, for the majority of the cast, it's just like the reality. Like, we do enjoy having fun together. We do Mm -hmm. care about each other. The way these women do not care about anything else but supporting Lisa Hochstein the second that news broke, you would think that would be obvious for any franchise, but not Mm -hmm. every franchise. I would say the vast majority might not react with the kind of absolute support that Lisa has received, which I think is, it's a really great indicator of what makes Miami so special. Yeah, no, I agree. I I really... I see that and and earlier, like maybe the first episode of Potomac, I because at BravoCon, I remember actually talking to, you know, I talked to ev- almost everybody. Amazing. And one of the things that um I was talking to some of the cast of Potomac, I think it was Giselle and Robin, actually. Mm. And I said to them, I'm like, you understand that like y'all are in this together because at the beginning of the season I think there was still a sensibility like episode one that the reason why we're in this amount of seasons with this many OGs think about like how many OGs do you get from like a season one to a season seven Mm. is because they have agreed that there was a common denominator there is a tie that binds everyone if we don't make this work as a group, then this doesn't work at all. It it might be, you could be a sacrificial lamb, but then there's always going to be a fallout of sacrificial lambs. Like people will be removed each time. But when you have that many OGs lasting for that long, I think that there's a reason. And I wouldn't be surprised if there was a major shakeup for Potomac this year because they lost sight of that. They lost sight of the idea that they need each other in order to move story. They started self-producing. They started creating things in order to, you know, cover up for the things that were really happening. And once you've lost that, like once you've lost, like people in the cast no longer believe in your ability to at least want to create the best show possible, then you have a serious red alert problem, like a serious one. And if you think that creating the best show possible is consistent, consistently targeting and questioning people's husbands, how do you deal with that? Like, how do you course correct aside from knowing that there's been a pretty, you know, negative reaction to some of those moves (laughs) from the Mm -hmm. audience? Not everyone, of course, because it's nearly impossible to find a a majority opinion within the Bravo universe, aside from like, Queen Ariana, we shall support. (laughs) Um, But all that being said, like with Potomac, how how can they move forward if they are so stuck? Like, what are the actual steps that can be taken? Who we're going to talk about a sacrificial lamb? Like, who is the lamb who's not going to make next season's cast? Well, I mean, obviously, all eyes are on Robin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's and it's interesting because 
like I have always been like I've always liked Giselle. And the reason why I liked her is because, well, one, she's a big fan of my daytime talk show. Thank you. Uh, no. <laughs> Listen, I fucking love it. The second that I hear yeah. from someone like a Bravo Lev that they're positive, I'm like, oh, do I? Am I obsessed with you? Like, <laughs> I think I I think I love you. Do I, do I love you now? Is that how yeah. this is going to work? Yeah. Um, no, but seriously, I really like Giselle because she's great television. You know, she came on as great television. And... I think that she really understood how to kind of make this work. She understood how to keep things interesting, even when people were taking things very seriously. Giselle has a very interesting story because before there was, you know, social media coming at you at the rapid pace that, you know, when there's a fallout, like a scandal, um, (laughs) Giselle was in the eye of that storm with her ex-husband, Jamal. Like she has been under scrutiny, not only in her community, Giselle has been under scrutiny for the greater choir of black parishioners of America. Like she has been through so much that I think that, you know, when you've, when you've gone through so much trauma, it almost like gives you an inability to get heightened. Like, because if you watch her, she never really loses her cool because this isn't even a like, she's not even in the red zone for her past trauma. And that was trauma that she was not responsible for. You know, the idea that her husband stepped out on her and embarrassed her in front of the world was not her responsibility. So when she's being yelled at or being accused of things on camera, yes, she doesn't she doesn't react because this isn't like an emergency fight or flight situation for her. And I think when you're looking at someone like that, also, um, in a way there, um, Alexia on Miami, mm. like she, you see her react, but it's not like, it's not the way that like Alisa would react. Mm-hmm. You know, Lisa? it's not the way that Candace, Ho- re- Lisa Hoxie, it's not okay. the way that Candace reacts. Like, it's not, it, it doesn't feel the same because they've been through so much more consequential things that it's almost like they don't, they don't tap into that same type of emotion. And I just, that's the feeling that I get from a Giselle of the Bravo sphere. Unless with Alexia, what's being tapped into is minimizing the uh, trauma that her family right. experienced or the reality of what Frankie deals with every day. I think that's yeah. when she loses her mind uh, in, in a way that is completely understandable that I empathize yeah. with entirely. I do want to ask you about Giselle, though, because you've said so many things that are <laughs> fucking phenomenal. Um, but when it comes to Giselle processing let's say the trauma she may have experienced as a result of her husband's affairs coming to light am I remembering this correctly um how would that impact a person's decision to then consistently gossip or ruminate on other people's husband's hypothesized poor behavior like don't wouldn't you think that having experienced that she would be less attracted to those kinds of conversations? Why does it feel like she's gone closer to the flame? I, 
I think that's, well, see, that's an interesting question, but I don't think that that's what she was consciously doing. I think she was going into protection mode for her best friend, her ride or die Robin. And that's all she was concentrating on because someone, at least one person did that for her when she was in the middle of that. So if it would have been, let's say Robin's mother, like it just so happened to be the husband, we're talking about the husband. Okay. Um, but if it was Robin's mother was caught embezzling, then Giselle would have accused Candace's mother of being caught embezzling. You know, it, it was, it wasn't about like everyone's, and I understand why everyone is looking at Giselle like, well, that's really hypocritical and super insensitive that you've gone through that and you're going to then accuse someone who's innocent. And I agree the way that that went down, I a million percent agree that that was not cool at all. Like we are in the height of the Me Too movement. You can't just be saying stuff like that about people. That was incredibly unfair. And I really understand why Chris and Candace were so upset. But I'm looking at it also from both sides. I do believe that she never even considered that because I think from the beginning, she knew that it was trash and she was just throwing something out there like, well, it's not true anyway. So what difference does it make? Now, where she messed up was she basically insinuated that Chris was a predator. That was not okay. Like that just wasn't okay. So the way that she did it, it was completely wrong. To do it at all was wrong. I am not condoning what she did, but I'm just saying if you're looking at it from both sides, I can see her being like, okay, Robin, I know this is bad, but I got you. I'm going to just make everybody look over here. And it could have been anything. It just happened to be the husband's. Did she think that or, or communicate that Chris was a predator or a philanderer? I think the way that... Th- the way that I, I guess people looked at it from a couple different ways. Yes, yeah. philanderer, but then the idea. So that she didn't the get whole thing about was, touching and then the yeah. touching of she was like, Chris was touching booties. Like you can't just go around accusing people of touching someone like unwanted. Like that's that's accusing them or alluding to them having predatory behavior. So that's where it got problematic. She kept she doubled, she tripled, she quadrupled down as if it was a game. And that's when the reality hits that this is an actual person's life and livelihood and reputation. And it was just, it. I think the self-producing just went too far. You're totally right. I completely forgot about, you know, the, the largest part of the conversation that mm. um, people have been having, certainly beginning with the cast. Um, and yet the Robin Wan stuff while I'm sure she was saying the look over here so you don't look over there, like she's had a track record of doing this from seasons past. So, and on top of that, I feel like, I don't, I feel like it wasn't a conscious potentially, bear with me, at at least the beginning of this wasn't a conscious decision to like misrepresent because I don't think Giselle ever felt that she was misrepresenting. In fact, she said, I told, you know, Robin that day, I told Mm -hmm. a friend the next day, these people are vouching for the fact that she said she was uncomfortable. The next part of that, though, which I think, obviously, Candace was saying, Chris was saying, and Andy was saying, was like, 
the way that she went from me feeling uncomfortable in this moment to raising questions about who Chris is to then saying he engaged in predatory behavior. It's like for Giselle, I think potentially maybe she's only thinking, well, I felt uncomfortable that day, which makes everything else that I say understandable because I remember the discomfort that Mm. I felt. And so surely if I'm hearing from someone like, um, Ashley's weird friend that Chris is behaving in a certain <laughs> manner because I remember the discomfort that I felt because of my own projections of what other people might think because it felt like a lot of it was specific yeah. to optics. It wasn't Chris's behavior. She could never communicate his behavior. It was discomfort about the perception of what other people might think that made her feel a certain way, which she has every right to feel. But it's I don't know that it's Chris's responsibility to apologize for that. But it it felt like maybe I don't know. I'm just like throwing this out there, hypothesizing. Like, do you think that potentially there could be that kind of connection? I don't even know if I'm communicating this in a halfway effective manner that like because she had the inciting incident was her discomfort. Everything else Mm -hmm. became okay because she knows that her initial feelings were the truth for Giselle. Yeah, I think there could probably be some level of truth to that. I think there is a theory out there that she has been scorned so many times by the institution of relationships and marriage and and men that, you know, maybe she doesn't value it the same. Um, You know, there's a lot there could be a lot of different truths that are working in conjunction with each other. Um, And I think also. A lot of that, some of that could be coming from insecurity too. Like you often hear, and I think, um, oh gosh, oh gosh, forgive me. I I just listened, your last guest. Kiki Monique, the talk of shame. Yes, 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 Kiki. Okay, sorry, Kiki. Um, You're great. Uh, (laughs) But uh, she was talking about um, something about like being the single friend and how it would make uh, married people sometimes Mm. feel uncomfortable. And Giselle is often that single friend. And I have no doubt that she has been put in situations before by men who didn't have the intentions that Chris might have had, where it was such, I have no doubt, I have no doubt that she has had to have some serious boundaries like, I am your wife's friend or co-star or whatever. And if you want to speak to me, you speak to me in the daylight of the, you know, grouping of the whatever. It is never okay for you to blah, blah, blah. That could have been the, that could have been the conversation and that would have been the end. But at the end of the day, I'm sure she did feel uncomfortable and I'm sure it should have been addressed. But what the real issue was, was that it was waited to be addressed on camera, which I don't know is actually an issue because that's exactly what we're mad at Robin about Mm. right now of not bringing up her issues on camera. So now we're also mad. And I say we as the collective, not like a personal that Giselle waited to bring up something that happened between the cast as a part of the storyline. Like it's people, we can't have it both ways. We have to make a decision about it. I mean, listen, okay, if this thing happened with Robin and Juan and he was, you know, fucking Canada or whatever, and it happened 
off season and she'll talk about it with the rest of the cast on camera. Let's say that that had happened, that like she had fulfilled, you would think, the basic responsibilities of being a housewife, of waiting to be it, have to have it come on mm-hmm. camera. It doesn't mean that she couldn't, for example, call her friend Giselle and say, guess what the fuck Juan did? Because they know that they will still be processing it on camera anyway. She could reference and say, you know, who was one of the first person, uh, one of the first people that I called my good friend, Giselle, Giselle, let's tell the rest of the group and let's process it. And I need to figure out the wedding. And like, is this going to happen, you know, on camera therapy, whatever else. It doesn't mean that you can't also have that initial, some would call human contact like Giselle calling Candace mm-hmm. and saying listen this thing happened the night of because they do this all anyway they're, they're still human people who are yeah. going to discuss you won't believe what happened when we filmed yesterday oh my god I can't believe what they put in that episode that aired they can't separate every single part of their instincts and impulses until there's a camera crew there because the timing doesn't always work out like I think the right. argument that Candace was making of like you could have called me. We could have discussed this on camera and figured it out with Chris. And if you want to, I mean, Candace didn't say this part, but like if Giselle wants to reference it at a later point when filming begins, you deal with that then. But that initial first step of what I think Candace considers friendship and maybe you could argue protection, if if Giselle felt like he was coming on to her, even though she tried to say that and then rescinded it and apologized and and focused more on her just feeling of the optics discomfort. Like, I would argue Mm -hmm. that if you felt like someone's husband was misbehaving, ideally you tell the wife, right? Personally, what I would have done, and I know because I've I've been in a Mm -hmm. situation like this, But what I would have said to the wife, to my friend is, listen, I know we're all real cool. Okay. I I get that we have this particular type of relationship, but I need you to tell your husband not to put himself in this situation because if it weren't me and I understand who he is and his intentions and it were someone else then y'all be having a whole nother conversation. So let him know that this is not going to be like, this could have been, if it weren't me, it would have been a different situation. So I'm just telling you to protect y'all selves. Like that really was the conversation. Like, hey, yo, I know like, yeah, we're cool. Like we're like brother, sister. Okay, cool, whatever. I understand the intention behind what happened in this moment. But I'm telling you now, don't be doing this. And also, now that I said it, you know it's not okay to really do. Like, I'm sending a signal to you. Like, I'm letting you know. That's what you do with a friend. Like, that's what you do with someone who you really know and you're close to. And I think that's what Candace was expecting from Giselle. But I also think that Giselle... Candace wants has wanted in the past to befriend Giselle more than Giselle has had any intention of befriending Candace. And also, I think it's maybe a little bit of the realization of like her loud, active support 
of you as a friend, her friendship maybe had more to do with a dislike of a cast member than it actually mm. did for how she appreciates and respects your, you know, burgeoning bond or anything else. Because we saw an example of that in the reverse in discussing her lack of empathy for Dr. Wendy and her saying, well, I don't like her. So my feeling about any kind of like physical interaction doesn't matter because I don't believe it when it involves someone I dislike. It's like a selective morality that you could also apply to a you know, the reasons behind why a person is showing friendship or support, like the inconsistency of it is revealing itself. Yeah, I I don't know where this came from, but I thought it was very important. But talking about the Wendy, Giselle, Robin dynamic, and someone said something to the effect of like, um, you're either a principles person or you're a person. Mm. It's like sometimes it's not about the person, it's about the principle. And Giselle can't get past the person to support the principle. So it's like a morality, you know, issue. And I for me, when I watch any of these shows, it's like there are people who in all the franchises at one point I'm like, I cannot stand mm-hmm. this person. Like I cannot stand their personality. But when they're right, they're right. Like I'm not like, oh, they're wrong because I'm not jiving with their personality. It's like, oh man, like, well, psh, I guess she got you, you know, like I'm honest with myself about it. I'm honest as a viewer. And I feel like that's how I am in my everyday life. It's like I may not be messing with you right now. I may not like you right now. But if you have a, you know, a point or there's something to offer here, I'm not going to silence it and take it away from you. It's like what um, Alexia said about Adriana's song. She could have said this was trash, but she didn't. She was like, it's a hit. I know I can't stand her, but the song, you know, the song's great. Like that, that's two different types of people. Like there are people who can say, what the truth is based on the fact that this is actually the truth. And then there are people who are like, I can't stand you. Everything about you is trash. You're always going to be trash. You're never going to be nothing but trash. Yeah. And I also think like when it comes to principles, some of those principles are just personality first, like not necessarily that person's personality, but like, I think that with some principles, it can be, the principle of not liking that person superseding anything else. Like my principle is because I dislike you, I don't see your personhood as anything else but me disliking you. I, I choose to stop here. I like choose to stop directly outside of whoever you are, whatever happens to you or anything else, because I refuse to see you as anything else, but like the caricature or the dislike that I have always felt. Yeah. I think that's a, to me, that's just a, I won't say a maturity thing. Cause I don't think that people are necessarily automatically immature because they think that way. I do think it's a growth thing. Mm. You know, I think it's something that comes with the, the the ability to empathize 
preemptively with a time that you might have been in that situation. Like, I know I am not everyone's cup of tea. You know, I, I understand that about myself. Most of us aren't. Um, but I do remember times where because I wasn't someone's cup of tea, they discredited a gift or, mm. you know, a talent or something that I was bringing to the table because it was personal. And I think the issue in these casts when when people do that repeatedly and that's just the way they're going to be is by discrediting or taking away someone's talents and gifts and what they have to offer to the show, you're actually wrecking the show in the process because it's clear that Dr. Wendy is not everyone's favorite. And there are quite a few people on the cast who cannot stand her. But Dr. Wendy has something to offer this cast in this franchise. And if you are trying to just run her out then first of all, you don't know the devil that you don't know. Then mm. this is a person who is willing to go as far as forgiving someone to who threw something at her, multiple things at her, in order to bring the task back together and move story forward. She has that in her, that ability in her. The next person may not have that ability to do that. And what if they come in and they outshine you? Like, you have someone who's willing to work with you. You need to be willing to do the same. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. It delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Living in New York City is not easy. Just ask Sonia, trying to sell that house. There are so many mornings where I wake up and think, oh my gosh, I'm having the worst cold of my life. And I realize it's actually from allergies. When my nasal allergies flare up, and that happens when the season changes and the temps get a little warmer than they normally are, I use Astapro, and I'm amazed at how fast I'm back in the game. And that game is looking for Dorinda on the Upper East Side. Astapro always has my back and nose. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Paris is always a good idea. And when I schlep on over to Europe to my favorite city in the world, I bring with me a few important phrases that I have learned from housewives. C'est bon, c'est bon. Chic, c'est la vie. Je m'appelle the Countess. N'est-ce pas, Luanne? <laughs> and while those key phrases are important when speaking to any French bravoholic for other matters of life, that's where Rosetta Stone comes in. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including, of course, French. 
It features fast language acquisition. It immerses you in so many ways. There's no English translations. So you really learn to speak, to listen, and to think in that language. It's an intuitive process. You pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. J'adore Chris Manzo. Et toi? There's a speech recognition filter which gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's convenient with desktop and app options, and it's an amazing value. Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. A steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Today. Conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media, and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Row. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Row, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to row.co slash andesgirls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash andesgirls. Sign up today. Yeah, and I think it's tough because for a period of time, and I would argue still now, even though, you know, there's ongoing battles between them, Giselle and Karen have always appreciated the value that the other person brings to the show. So they'll fuck with each other. They'll talk about the cookie bake. They'll like say, you know, the quips, the sarcastic uh, moments, they'll you know, try to poke at each other. And sometimes it can get really heated, but it has felt like there's always underneath that a mutual, a mutual respect. Maybe that's because they've known each other for a hundred years. Maybe that's just because they understand the value the other person brings and understand how that helps them. Right. Ultimately. Mm-hmm. And right now I think the difficulty is like, and not for no reason, but like, Candace doesn't see any value in Giselle. 
Robin doesn't see any value in Dr. Wendy. Ashley, I don't quite know where Ashley is with value. I, I don't know where Dr. Wendy is in how she values Giselle. Like there, Mia doesn't see any value, I don't think, in Dr. Wendy. Like how do you move this cast forward when there is that devaluation which is hurting the the storyline. It's hurting the plot. It's hurting the group dynamic. Yeah, it, this is a mess right now. <laughs> like this is like stage five. I don't know. Um, it, it's bad. It's it's real. It's a mess. Um, you know, I think that the devaluation it it doesn't register. All of they're not equal. You know, like Candace, who arguably had the best season that she's ever had, um, you know, her disdain against, or, you know, her feelings about Giselle, it's very personal. Like it affected things outside the show. So that's very different than Robin who didn't like Wendy because Wendy said things about her on the show, which is actually Wendy's job to do that. And I'm not saying that like Wendy didn't cut deep, but the reason why it cut deep for Robin is because we know that it's true now. Like we know that what Wendy said was true. And that's the thing. It's like with, with Giselle or it's kind of like everyone kind of has this thing, like all of us as just human people. It's like, I can be cool, but don't ever touch this. Mm. You know, like when you mentioned Alexia and it's it's Frankie. Frankie is her, you know, her button. Like you never, ever touch that. Um, you never say anything about it. And I think with Robin, her relationship with Juan, ironically, because this is a housewives show, is her hot button. Like we remember that Juan was caught on a hot mic saying that if it weren't for the kids, he would no longer mm. be there. Everyone's always referred to Juan and Robin as roommates. No one has ever given credibility to that relationship. So the absolute last thing that Robin was willing to do was to tell everyone, hey, everybody, y'all were right. Like she would, I think she would rather just like dissipate into thin air than do that. And because she didn't do that, now it it came back to bite her in the ass and who knows what will happen. So when Wendy came for Robin, that's very different than when Giselle came for Candace because it wasn't rooted in truth, but she still had to feel like deal with the fallout because of that. With Mia, Mia doesn't really understand or know herself. So any person that she kind of has, you know, issues with like, it's it's not it's not there's no foundation there because Mia doesn't truly have a foundation. And I say that with all due respect. I think that it's something that hopefully she will figure out. When it comes to Ashley, Ashley is learning who she is for the very first time. So she's in a shaky situation because everything that she has known to be true about her life is now very different and she doesn't know what that means for her future. So her ability to really like cut deep, like it's wavering because she's wavering right now. So there's like different levels to, you know, who's attacking whom and for what. And I feel like the ones that are 
you know, at a lower level are easier to rectify. I don't know how Candace and Giselle mend what happened at that reunion part three. I just, I don't know. That's to me the biggest issue. And then the second biggest issue is Robin versus everybody but Giselle, because no one will trust anything that she says going forward. What do you think about the level of like loud critique that the audience, content creators, podcasters have had? Not all of them, but I think there there has been probably a pretty consistent dialogue of like something is not right here with storytelling. Mm-hmm. Is it fair to be that upset about Potomac noting how many other franchises have had dumb and shitty seasons where people just kind of roll their eyes where like the upset isn't as consistent? Could that be potentially a sign of how much we respect and love Potomac because we're this because we know how good it can be that this stands out? Yes, I think I do think that that has happened in other franchises, Potomac is just the freshest with it right now. Um, because I think, especially even going back to BravoCon, before we knew really anything, everybody, the word on the street <laughs> was Potomac. Everybody was talking about Potomac. And so I think it's almost like, you know, you have two children and one is like, the star student and one is just like barely getting by and they're always, you know, making bad decisions and messing up. And so you're constantly like praising. (laughs) Yeah. And then it's like, you have a star student and they mess up one time. We all know the people who like walk the tightest rope, you mess up one time and everybody's coming for you because everyone's saying, but we expected more, you know, like we expect, we just expect more from mm-hmm. you. And I think that Potomac is getting the, we expected more from you. Shame, 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 make it right. Yeah. And shout out to me, by the way, for applying to college while I was failing math and science. No. <laughs> hey, girl, <laughs> I, I don't know how I got by. I certainly do not. I included a crossword puzzle with like a couple of colleges and it was like 17 down is like where I would like to go. The answer was like whatever school because I was just like, you're not going to get it from the grades. So let me tell you another form of my personality. Listen, we could talk about Potomac for forever because it's worthy of that conversation Mm -hmm. and critique. But I do want to get your thoughts on New Jersey because it's. There's a lot to discuss. I'm curious as to your reaction with the season so far and um, your level of uh, your perspective maybe on who you're currently maybe empathizing with, where you kind of see yourself a little in the story, story maybe just even in, in your reaction to some of this. That's, that's how I say what yeah. team are you on without saying that, where I'm like, yeah. well, let's make this more, more um, layered. Okay. Okay. Um, first of all, I will say this. I expected to see this version of Teresa the season after Ultimate Girls Trip. Oh! I expected to see that. And when I didn't see it, I was like, oh, man. Like, I, she had me. Teresa had me. I was on this podcast and I told you that. Mm. And you were like, really? I was like, <laughs> she is misunderstood. 
You were you were like, what? I'm like, I, I think she's misunderstood. Mm. I think that she, you know, and I was like, there is this side to her and this. And, and then she, the next season of Jersey came on. I was like, okay, I was wrong. I was very wrong about Teresa. Mm. And now I'm like, I think I, I'm on Team Trudy. And the reason why, it's not that I'm even anti-Melissa, mm. but that situation i really like listen i'm the older sister okay mm. and there are just times where you need to suck it up okay as a younger sibling oh as a younger because, i wasn't sure if you meant suck it up as an older no you have to suck it up as a younger sibling because younger siblings do not understand the burden of the older siblings and how much you're able to, like, when you're thanking the ancestors, younger siblings, we better be up in there. Your older sibling better be up in there. If you have a sibling <laughs> who has paved the way for you, okay, has opened up doors, has knocked down doors, has created opportunity for you, <laughs> and no one, no one can deny that Teresa created opportunity for that whole family. She did that. She did her stint in jail. She did all the things in order for them to walk through that door. So if she asks you to bring your snotty butt to her home for her love bubble party, you better bring your ass there and act like you care, okay? It's not that hard. It really isn't. I'm sure they live like 10 minutes away because they're always right up her butt anyway. So, yeah. Yes. Come to the party. How that was a that was a fork in the road. If you've ever had a relationship where you're like, I have to I may not want to do this. I may not want to go to this birthday party because there's something weird happening between us right now. But I know that if I don't show up to this birthday party, and I know that I value this relationship based on our history. So I am going to go and I am going to celebrate this person and hope that in the future, things are less awkward and we can reconcile. But if I do not go, then I am, I am closing the door. And he closed the door on the dumbest thing possible. Just show up to the house. Say hi to your nieces. Eat some food. The food looks good. The drinks were popping. All your boys were there. Just go. Just go. Team tree. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> and Melissa did go. So it's like even more awkward yes. that you're, you know, having your wife go there without her husband to maybe like even support her in that moment. He just was like, you're on your own, babe. Like, you know, you're the one with this job. I know you have to because it's your job responsibility, but I'm not even going to go for the purposes of supporting you as an attendee, mm. which is tough. What's that? <laughs> like, what is that? Like, I mean, you no, no, mm -mm. I don't like it. I don't like it. OK, I I don't disagree, but I do wonder, like the idea of like, I did this for the family, so, like, there should be some respect. I totally hear that. Active listening. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. 
But I also <laughs> wonder, like, does it matter? Just to say, does it matter if she was building something without any intention or maybe interest in having her family, like, outside to her immediate family participate? Is that still a part of the older sister providing for the greater family when, in fact, she was providing for her immediate family? Which, sidebar, is not to say she should have done it with the intention of, like, maybe one day Joe and Melissa can join because, A, they didn't have a good relationship, and, B, that's, to me, not her responsibility to do. She provided for her family. To me, that is more than enough. But, like, does that matter? Does a lack of um, greater generosity when it comes to like specific roles being a part of the cast like does that affect it at all or no I I think that you could say and I agree I do agree with that I I don't think that she ever wanted uh, clearly she never wanted Melissa and Joe on the show and honestly as someone who is in front of the camera a lot I wouldn't want to do anything like that with my family either I would I'd like to and I just happen to have a family that doesn't want to be a part of any mm. of it. So it's like, they're very private. I'm the one that is, you know, forward facing. Everybody else is like, we'll support you from back here. Like, don't post us on social media. You know, it's very different. Um, so in this situation, I understand that, no, maybe this wasn't her intention, but that's what happened. So it's like, if she hadn't, if she hadn't gone through and become a breakout star of this show, There would be no Joe and Melissa conversation. It's like just to me, it's I understand that the relationship isn't wasn't great and all of that. But it's like show some respect for that because y'all ain't even got story outside of her to this day. And y'all don't even see each other. And you live down the street, maybe in a treehouse, literally. So why not just acknowledge like that's it's the lack of acknowledging. And then all of these people are benefiting off of these franchises. Like they all have something that's a spinoff of the fact that they are on these shows. So you have like, why wouldn't you just stop down and be like, listen, I know we weren't even messing with each other like that. I know that we came on and you say this and we say that and whatever. But at the end of the day, we're a family. We are all succeeding. We are all utilizing this platform And you know what? Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for putting us in a position because regardless of if it was intentional or not, Teresa still put them in the position. Totally don't disagree at all. I wonder, though, what if that has already occurred? What if that occurred over a period of time? Probably not when they joined the christening era. Certainly not the season after with like the hair and the uh Ohika Castle and the wrestling you know obviously not the first couple seasons but like mm-hmm. let's say that that occurred off camera possibly on camera I genuinely don't remember it's also entirely possible it hasn't happened does that change the you know idea that like they should still feel that like how how far can a person carry gratitude when that's both not reciprocated for what Melissa and Joe bring, potentially maybe not in personal storyline, but in behavior, it Melissa has, I think, worked on the show. I, I would argue she's a strong 
beta, sometimes like alpha energy. Like, I think that she has worked on the show. I don't know what's going to happen in the future because of the current circumstances. But like, does that have to be invalidated as a response because they weren't, they're not on the Mount Rushmore? Yeah, I know. I think that you have to work together as a cast. But when I said in the beginning, I said, I'm I'm team Teresa now, but I'm not anti-Melissa. Right. Totally. And I I'm get more that. like totally. the responsibility in my mind is between Teresa and Joe. Mm. Like Melissa in this situation is going to be a casualty because it, no matter how long you're married to someone, right. if the sibling dynamic is not worked out between the siblings, there might be very little in most instances that you can do. Which is the reason why, like, when you hear from Danielle and she's saying, you know, I have this relationship with my brother and, you know, now we don't speak. You and and she blames the sister-in-law. Like, she said that on camera, mm-hmm. which I'm sure will not help that relationship mm-hmm. heal anytime soon. But, I mean, I've, I haven't loved every person that my siblings have decided to be with. And they haven't loved everyone I've decided to be with. But if I want a relationship with my siblings, then I am also going to ensure that I have a positive relationship, maybe not hanging out every day, but there's a positive interaction. There's a positive feeling with the person that they're with. And that's something that has, I think that's showing less selfishness Mm. to just know, like, I know that this might not be a perfect situation. Maybe I have my thoughts about who this person is or whatever. But at the end of the day, I want you to be happy. And if you're communicating happiness to me, then I am going to support you in the best way I know how, which is not to be a further hindrance in your life and your personal life. And I also feel like there's a little bit of like golden era, golden age of like Tree v. Melissa right now, noting obviously that it's like really Tree v. Joe plus Melissa. Um, mm-hmm. Because I feel like the conversation right now is can be super nuanced. I don't know at what point we will all be exhausted, but I I genuinely, genuinely, no joke, feel invigorated. I cannot believe that this is true, and it entirely is, by thinking about Teresa versus Melissa in a way that I haven't for a while because I, I do... You know, like the political spectrum, I do have a tendency of leaning Melissa, which is not necessarily like leaning Joe, but like maybe Mm -hmm. at some points it has. Like I do have a tendency. I've had a history and a track record. If you listen to previous AG seasons of New Jersey Mm -hmm. to have understood and empathized with Melissa more. And what I found so interesting about this season is that I just think there's so much nuance and I found Teresa's perspective not always something I agree with, but more understandable than it has in seasons past. And I also have to say, listen, all these fucking housewives and Bravo Lebs all all now have podcasts and, and good for you. God bless. I yeah. personally, aside from like eh, with other content creators, I don't listen to Bravo pods as much as I'd love to because I don't want opinion or conversation to subconsciously affect 
how discussions happen on AG, which is important because they're so long form and whatever else. So I make that sacrifice for AG. (laughs) I don't necessarily feel that way about Housewives podcasts. I just so happen to not necessarily be interested in listening to them. Because I think at a certain point, Mm -hmm. like, there are podcasts I love that are not Bravo related that really, you know, lead the day for me in terms of what I what I listen to. That being yeah. said, so I'm, I'm not into two teas in a pod, not not, you know, just I, I'm not into reasonably shady. It just I'm not I don't feel the need to listen to them. What mm. I have been listening to is Melissa's podcast and Teresa's podcast, because I Ooh. think both of them, because I think the ways that they are communicating their feelings long form is really interesting and with Teresa Teresa has a uh consistent she has a co-host this person is always with her and I think I think that there's a level of safety that Teresa feels knowing she has someone on the pod who always has her back and she's probably Mm -hmm. always gonna have guests who you know they they want to talk to specific people for a reason but I think it's opened up Teresa sharing in a way that she hasn't had, that she hasn't shared prior versus Melissa was a great podcast that I've been listening to, but I've heard Melissa's experience because she's felt comfortable sharing. Like Teresa, we know how she feels. We know her opinions, but we don't always know like the nuances, the specifics of the history. It's like for so often we've heard the same story over and over again, including the reasons the wedding and she did, I was pregnant. She should have done it. Sprinkle cookies, redone house. Like there are specific examples that have become canon for the estrangement and areas that their relationship has not always been uh, on an even path. And what I found really interesting about Teresa's podcast is like, it feels like she's, maybe she feels more free. Maybe they both feel more free because they're not trying to be friendly with each other. That could be a big part of it. But I also think like the way that Teresa's talking about her prior attempts to be friends with Melissa. Like there was one conversation, Jen Aiden was on the most recent episode at this point. And Teresa was talking to Jen and her um, co-host, Melissa. I mean, another Melissa. She was talking to other Melissa and Jen Aiden about her history with Melissa Gorga. And at one point was like, you know, essentially the issue was she didn't treat me like she treated her other sisters and that hurt my feelings which was communicated in a way that was like, maybe it was, it was passionate. It was like, you know, what the fuck? But I was like, oh, light bulb moment. Even if maybe she said that a thousand times and I'm sorry, I've forgotten. It just like affected me in a different way. It, it's, yeah. it, there is maybe a nuance to the conversation that to me feels different for Teresa. I mean, that's like one of the most honest things you could say is you hurt my feelings you know like at the end of I I and we've all had that well maybe I I maybe we all haven't had it I've certainly had that where you're so angry with something there's been a battle or a feud going on for the longest time and then at the root when you're just so tired and maybe maybe this is an indication that and I know Dolores and everyone else feels like it's time for them to move on their separate ways, but maybe that fatigue mm-hmm. could also lend itself to just honesty mm-hmm. and active listening. Because anytime you've been 
battling with someone because you're forced to be around them due to proximity alone or familial relationships. And then you just say, you know what? I'm just going to be really honest. And this is going to, this might sound really petty, Mm -hmm. but two years ago when this happened and you said this and did this, that really hurt my feelings Mm -hmm. and it made me protect myself from you. And ever, every decision coming out from that point forward has been me protecting myself from allowing to giving you the power to hurt me like that again. Like I, I, how much could we all benefit from those conversations with someone who's willing to listen? The problem is who's willing to listen at the same time. I think they've both had times where they've been willing to be honest and listen, but the other person wasn't participating in that same level of communication. So it fell by the wayside. And now it's like, could it potentially be over forever? Because they just kept missing. It's like those rom-coms where it's like, you just, they just got to the train <laughs> just as the doors closed and took off forever. You know, it's like, that's what it feels like. Yeah, I think there's some sleepless in Franklin Lakes that's been yeah. going on. And I also think like if, if, um, Anger is sometimes slash often an expression of hurt turn outward. Maybe these women are like, go fuck yourself. You're never going to hurt me again. You're never going to hurt me again. So I'm always going to be mad from this point on, which we're not seeing yet on the episodes, but we're tiptoeing that way. I think Joe is, you know, more quickly on that path than we're seeing with Teresa and Melissa, but they're also seemingly walking that journey as well like the idea of like they I think they're all reaching their capacity and a lot of the conversation is around like you know at this point a little bit should they even though we all know that I think a lot of people are in agreement that like maybe a break is the right move I think there's Mm. some of this too like they're choosing to block each other or their own feelings because they're like I I won't I won't cross this again it's honestly I really I sometimes I want to just like dear bravo leopardy (laughs) (laughs) I love the show Mm. first time writer Mm. but this is not why we watch you this is not what we love. I, I, I mean, for me at least, I I love I love the drama, but when it becomes so consequential that it's toxic and poisonous, like the the literal destruction of a family unit, I don't like that. I don't like that. I want to. I want. I want sprinkle cookie fights. You know. I don't want. You haven't, you're my aunt and we don't see our cousins fights. Like that makes me feel icky inside. I don't, I don't want that. Especially if it, if we know that there is a strong possibility that it will come without any resolution. There will never be a bow to wrap this up in. Like that's how it feels. It feels like it's just the destruction and potentially a shake up and cast situation. 
but I don't want to be left with that lack of resolve. You know, I want that, that Teresa and Jacqueline reunion. I want that for everybody. Like I want people to go off and actually have some type of semblance of a reunion. I I need to feel that that's going to happen at some point. Otherwise it gives me like high anxiety. And that's what this dissolution of family is giving me. Well, the downer response to that is you've gotten that resolution before several seasons ago. And this is sometimes what happens next. It, it The resolution mm. isn't for everyone, for many people going to last forever. It's nice. But I don't like that. I know. Life sucks. <laughs> I mean, like, neither do I don't like having, you know, whatever toxic, whatever fucking going on. But it's that's life. Sometimes these things just don't work out. What better example of that than maybe this whole Teresa and Louie and Melissa and Joe Michigas like. It's unfortunate because obviously there has been a hugely destructive impact on the relationships that exist in ebb and flow because of reality TV. Louis himself mm-hmm. said that in text to Joe and Melissa of like, I'm sorry that this happened, but I'm also like sorry to say that like reality TV ruined your family. Like there, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. And I get that and I don't disagree, but also if we're talking about the ways that a person insulted me because she brought... And I've, I've gotten responses from people who are like, no, this is a genuine insult. And I, I get it. No, as an Italian, I get it. I personally like <laughs> sprinkle cookies because I'm garbage. So like, I know that I'm not fully understanding the absolute insult of bringing sprinkle cookies versus pignoli. I just, I like trash cookies. So like, I would be like, oh my God, thank you. How did you know? Because I told you in advance to bring sprinkle. Um, but like <laughs> Teresa's talking about how the sprinkle cookies are an ex- there was such a lack of trust and these examples that we think are funny and LOL now because we made them funny. But Teresa didn't say that to be like, this is an iconic light moment. Teresa said it. She was like, this is the worst thing a person could do and they yeah. show, to write in the card. Like, it doesn't mean it's not an insult. Congrats on your redone home. We receive that as like. Maybe, oh shit, that is an insult. And also like kind of funny, like because we're outsiders, we're voyeurs, whatever else, we make these moments into catchphrases, into merch, into memes. But it doesn't mean it started from a place of light. It started from a place of darkness and we just saw some Bravo-holic sun. Yeah, no, I and I agree with that. I agree with that. But isn't that what our experience so that's just a testimony to our experience as the consumer right like we're always we take everything and put it through our lens Mm -hmm. so like some people aren't going to you know there are going to be people who listen to this and you know about the family dynamic and they're not going to see it through that same lens as I see it but I have a different idea of and I recognize that people have their chosen family clearly um (laughs) that they have um you know there's different semblances of families but I'm very sensitive to family dynamics because I've seen what happens when family dynamics break down and it's a huge regret like it'll be something that will always I will think of very sadly when I think of the legacy of my family. So I'm very sensitive about making sure 
that people feel seen, feel heard, feel a part of things, you know? So when I see those things that break down, it's, it's hurtful to me because I know what happens when you go 20 years and you don't speak to actively speak to a side of the family, you know? Um, but I do agree with you when you're about how we're consuming it. It's just, that's the lens that I consume it through. So that that's always going to, it's going to hurt a little bit more than sprinkle cookies. A hundred percent. And I, first off, am so thankful to you for sharing that. And I also think that's like the most important part of Andy's girls. It's like the foundation that sometimes people choose to ignore when they hear something that they don't agree with and or understand is like how another person's perception is influenced by their experience that's it at the end of the day like when we talk about who's your spiritual housewife who do you connect with most the ways that I've experienced in life the ways that I've experienced life informs why I stand for Shan like you know like Mm -hmm. it's there is a little bit of an lol there but obviously the most important part is the surrounding truth of it which I think is the fascination that a lot of people uh, have with housewives and the connection that we feel because that informs our opinions. And it's also a blocker to why we sometimes can't hear someone else's or why mm-hmm. we're like, oh, you're saying something I don't agree with. So you're bad. Like yeah. your voice is bad because I don't agree with what you're saying, which is often influenced by that person's experience. Maybe they haven't been heard. Maybe there's been difficulty when they've expressed something that another person has disagreed with. Maybe they haven't felt safe or comfortable. And this is something I've struggled with to like, just simply listen. We don't always have to convince someone that they're wrong. We can encourage healthy disagreement, but the problem is that like disagreement hasn't felt healthy or safe, you know, Mm -hmm. like all of this gets tied up into our perception of housewives and how we view some of these people. It can be, if you allow it quite complicated. I just came back from the salon, and for the record, I went with the sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. (laughs) Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time (laughs) with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells unbelievable. Believable. Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze other bestsellers. They're leaving conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T H E 
O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com with promo code Andy. In the words of Meredith Marks, when it comes to that week, week and a half before my period, I wish I was disengaging. My PMS is off the charts. Truly Uber Eats needs to check in and say, it's about that time, isn't it? I know it is. The cravings are crazy. I want to crawl out of my skin. Now it's easier to manage PMS with Estro Control. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony and Estro Control, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. For AGs who are friends of perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause, Happy Mammoth has Hormone Harmony. It's not just a supplement for women going through those stages. It's also become a phenomenon. Women can't stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ANDYSGIRLS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code ANDYSGIRLS for 15% off today. I'm engaging. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, you know, I love, I love listening to other people's perspectives on what we're all watching in real time. I, I'm not active on Twitter, but I mm. will go on Twitter because I find it fascinating that people can see things so differently in real time. But it also, it, to me, is always a window into who someone is based on what they're saying. Like, it, I, I could go back to, I won't go back to Potomac, but just like that, there were so many layers to, yes. I mean, there's layers to all the franchises, but when you, they briefly touched on colorism for like 2.5 seconds, um, you know, me as a dark skinned black woman seeing that conversation and how everyone reacted to each piece of that told me very clearly who these women were and how people on social media reacted, how like other content creators and influencers reacted. It was very clear just by listening or just by reading like, oh, this is who you are and I understand where your experiences potentially lie. Um, which is fascinating because it's a lot of times I'm like, I hadn't considered that. Do I agree with it? Not in this moment. Could I potentially like see it and agree with it in the future? Maybe. Can I at least just see it? Okay. (laughs) Like, it's just this way that we like, you know, comprehend things. What did you consider coming out of that conversation, both the discussion itself, as well as the way it was structured within the episodes? Um, I think that colorism is something that needs to be discussed. Um, I do believe that colorism plays a um, plays a part in the Potomac cast. Absolutely. It definitely plays a part in um, the greater Bravo audience. Um, That's very clear to me. And I did feel like they needed a moderator um, for sure. I think it just would have been of service to everyone to have the moderator. I agree that Andy did not need to be on that set at all. And um, yeah, it's, 
it's interesting. Like I really, Candace did, in my opinion, an excellent job of what she was able to do on that platform in that moment, considering all the edits. I thought that that was a task that I would have never taken on um, in terms of going without a moderator in order to really give the greater context, because it's almost like the difference between someone writing a biography of a person's life and an autobiography. Oh, you know, yeah. like your the the reason why moderators are so important is because you need someone who literally doesn't have something actively in the game, which would have been interesting to have a moderator um, because clearly it would have been a black woman. So clearly they would have had something in the game as well, but not actively in their inner circle and how their inner circle is a reflection of our greater world and our greater culture. Um, So the moderator not having one was a big miss. Um, Also not utilizing, you know, I don't know if Wendy spoke more and it got edited out, but I really wanted to hear from Wendy more. She adds so much value, not only as a dark-skinned Black woman, but as a woman of Nigerian descent. Um, And then it's interesting, too, because this is a cast that everyone's kind of on equal footing. It appears they're fairly on equal footing in terms of socioeconomic status. Like no one is other than apparently Sharice has a ton of money. All the money in the world, apparently. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, it doesn't seem like there's a massive disparity between all of them. Um, and so the socioeconomic thing doesn't really play as much as it would. So that privilege isn't necessarily there. We're not seeing that. Um, they all benefit from pretty privilege. Um, So that's an interesting dynamic. So it's like all of these things kind of all coming together to equalize. This is the main thing, the colorism conversation. And I just really wish that they would have called upon someone um, far more equipped and um, well-versed than I, because <laughs> like it's, it was, it, I, and I can't even think of someone who I wish would have, would have led that conversation. Like I'm kind of like thinking, but I can't really like put my finger on it um, to lead a conversation like that because it, it, it was important and it needed to be acknowledged. And I hope that there's a better opportunity um, for that to be acknowledged in its greater depths. Well, I think you would have been a fantastic moderator, number one. So let's say that. Well, thank you. But I, you know, it's something, there are people who have spent their lives, you know, like this is what they do, like their studies in African-American history and culture, and they're so ingrained in it. Um, that I, I know that there's definitely someone and uh, gosh, I really wish I could just come up with one name. (laughs) Like I'm thinking of all these faces and I can't think of one name, um, that would have been very interesting to hear from and get people to understand because there were also people on those couches who were committed to not being a part of the conversation fully and a moderator would have absolved that. That is such a good point. And the um, example of it's like the difference between writing 
uh, a biography versus an autobiography is so important, as is the choice to read it. And what was difficult was like just watching it as an absolute outsider in every sense of the word to see Candace start by providing a definition, which was great. And everyone's like agreeing with it, but that's kind of where it ended. Like Mm -hmm. it, it felt a little bit like Giselle and Robin didn't want to read the book. I don't know. I think the fundamental problem with that conversation was that Candace was leading it because they can't hear anything Candace in that moment. They couldn't hear anything Candace had to say. That's why I thought it was important to give it's it is important to give credit to Candace that she even attempted to tackle something that massive on that platform in that moment. Now, I know other people feel very differently about it. Like it should not have been, you know, it shouldn't have been done. That wasn't the appropriate place. And like, I think everyone is right when it comes down to it. I think everyone has truth in what they're saying. Um, But Candace tried to have the conversation. And honestly, I was clenched the whole time when they when they're like, let's talk about color. I was like, oh, <laughs> I, I, everything in me was like so clinched. Like, how is this going to go? And when he brought up the, you know, the moderator, I was like, great. They, they have a moderator. Okay, great. Nope. No moderator. Okay. All right. And, and who's okay. All right. All right. And so then when it was over, I was like, oh no. Like I just <laughs> like really felt, but then after a while, I'm like, you know what? I respect everyone who says that was inappropriate. I respect everyone who says that was that was great. You know, I I respect everyone's feelings about it. But at the end of the day, the door was open. And now that when you say it out loud, you have to be like held to a level of responsibility to continue to keep that door open. And I think that's where it's at at this point. Do you think that some of the cast felt like a part of that door became a little bit more closed because of their reactions to Candace's remarks in the next part of the reunion? Oh, yeah, I. Which we don't need to talk about in any way. And I don't I don't as an outsider again, it's I'm just. Yeah, I you know, I it's it's interesting because there's a school of thought like do you speak about these things in front of quote company people who aren't black or is this a conversation that you know stays between us mm-hmm. and my argument has always been it can't be a conversation that solely stays between us as the culture black community because this the conversation of colorism doesn't just affect it it's more egregious that it's happening within the community But the truth of the matter is it happens everywhere and everyone should be aware of those biases um, just in everyday life. So I do think it's important for people to engage in these conversations, just actively listening, not actually engage, because I think that's if you're if you aren't black, then you can't really contribute to the conversation. Right. But I think it is important to have that conversation. I think the issue with how with Candace saying what she said to Giselle and it was Giselle's proximity to whiteness. 
Candace is a million percent correct that Giselle has a privilege due to her proximity to whiteness. We all understand mean. Wendy wouldn't have communicated. They have very different communication styles. Wendy would could have communicated that same sentiment without the way the way without the vitriol that Candace admitted that she had towards that situation in a way that it would have forced more people to listen. So I it was a it was a weird dynamic in that moment because people were coming for Wendy. And I can understand people coming from their level of understanding and experience to say, I have been wronged. I have been held back. I have been marginalized because my skin is darker than your skin. And why should you say that politely? Like, it feels very unfair. I think Wendy is a professor and she's an academic and her entire like career has to do with getting uncomfortable messaging across to people who need to hear it. And there is a skill set to that. There's an art to that. And I can understand people saying, I don't need the art. I want it gritty. But then I can also understand the Wendy's of the world saying, Dr. Wendy's of the world saying, yes, but I'm saying this so that everyone can hear it. I'm going to say the same thing you said in this way so that more people are receptive to hearing it. And that goes back to the reason why they needed a moderator, because there were people who were committed to not listening to anything that came out of Candace's mouth. Period. It didn't matter what it was. And that was the fatal flaw, I believe, of that entire dynamic of the conversation. And also, unfortunately, the follow up to it, the translation as they are processing it in their minds, that moment. Who knows the ways that, you know, Giselle and Robin are going to bring that up the next time if another conversation occurs. Like, well, you then said so-and-so, so this is a way for me to continue to potentially not listen. You know, like that's that's got to be a tough, um, just a compli- a very complicated dynamic. Yeah, I mean, it is. It is very complicated. But I also question, you know, Giselle's sensitivity to that being a situation at all, because she is raising three dark skinned black women. And how many times has that come up in one way or another that Giselle shuts down when things are sensitive to her? And I felt like that was a sensitive topic like navigating, just navigating her place in the culture, navigating her place, you know, in, in this world as a, as a black woman who, you know, has a close proximity to whiteness, you know, that, that, that's another conversation. And it's like, you can still have that conversation while acknowledging that you are benefiting from said conversation about colorism. I mean, that's, we can really take this in any place. You know, you can say as a white person, I am, you know, I've been disparaged or I've had these situations, whatever, but you can't leave at the door that you still have some semblance of privilege, that you have privilege based on your skin color. Like no one's saying that you don't have any strifes. Like no one's saying that things aren't hard. You know, it's just like 
I acknowledge, I think we, it's, I think we all would be better to just acknowledge our privileges. I acknowledge my privilege, but I also acknowledge where I do not have privilege. I mean, the most important thing that I can say is like absolutely nothing. And also have the conversation, right? I I think it's important that as a content creator, this is acknowledged. Like, I think this is an incredibly important conversation to have. And because I don't have the structure of reality TV narrative storytelling, I don't need to whittle this down to two minutes. Like that brings with it an opportunity to really have a deeper dive. And I just, you know, like, I really don't have an opinion on this, obviously, except to say that I felt a lot of empathy for Candace, and I really, really, really appreciated the effort and also like emotional vulnerability that she allowed herself to share, noting the kind of pressure she was surely under, both to like potentially defend her position to people who have communicated frequently that they don't agree with it, and also the pressure of like, did I communicate this? in a way that felt responsible to my community and the communities outside of it. Like, I just can't imagine that pressure and also the frustration that she must feel for her opinion as a dark-skinned Black woman being invalidated by members of her cast. Like, I, I just, I can't imagine it. And I'm also not a Black woman, as Giselle is, as Robin is. So I feel uncomfortable with the idea of ever going anywhere near criticizing their behavior when it comes to this because ultimately I'm a white woman with privilege it would be I think like uh uh morally disingenuous you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. to like have that like I think it's important to have these conversations on a variety of platforms if possible not led hopefully by a white person, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, <laughs> yeah. like can, you imagine? No. can you imagine? It's like, I don't know, like me and Andy, like, I don't, I don't know how well that would go. I, yeah. my guess is probably not that great. I just felt a lot of empathy for Candace, especially to be honest, after the next moment, because I was like, fuck me. Like, I felt concerned that her, conversation would be potentially invalidated by that moment because it felt like all of a sudden Ashley was really passionate Giselle was really passionate Robin was really passionate and Mia was really passionate and calling her out and it was like wait a second where was that passion what she was saying a couple minutes ago right you guys well yeah that's interesting that you noticed that because I think that's that's been the criticism like I I was somewhere in between Candace and Wendy, mm. Dr. Wendy. I try to always use Dr. I try to always use Dr. I was somewhere in between there. Um, I understood. I totally understood where Candace was coming from and what she said. And I totally understood where Wendy was coming from and what she said. But I also was like, where was all of this? <laughs> like, where was the emotion for the initial conversation? Like, that that was um yeah that was very it was glaring and i think again 
I am going to say this and I know like I get dragged all the time. So it's like, you know, neither here nor there. Um, I will not criticize anyone on that stage for what, how this went down. I, I won't, that's not something that I am going to hold over anyone's head. I think that um, doing it on that platform in that moment was actually just fundamentally a disservice. I do believe opening up the door was fundamentally necessary. So there's a weird, you know, there's some duality there. But at the end of the day, um, they were opening them all, they were all being opened to scrutiny that I don't necessarily feel needs to be there for having the conversations because I think it's always brave to have a conversation Mm -hmm. and it's more brave to have it in public in that type of forum. And I am not going to disparage someone for trying to maneuver their feelings and, um, and their experiences, even if I don't necessarily agree with the way that it was done or how it was communicated, because that is difficult. And I think anyone who is super critical of that likely has never experienced it. Mm. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what I'll say about that. Like, and I hope there is a moderated conversation in the future. I wonder if there will be, I wonder under what circumstances that would potentially occur. I mean, I don't think it would be a terrible idea for there to be a one of the breakouts at BravoCon. Now, it would be interesting because BravoCon is has a very tiny population of people of color. So you would see, you know, exactly who's committed to, you know, wanting to hear more or explore that conversation in the depths of that conversation. I think that it could be done at BravoCon easily, but the digital component of putting it out there for everyone um, would be far more valuable than however many people would come to something like that. And potentially open up that um, panel to other Black women on other Bravo shows. That would be incredible. Absolutely. And I would start with Married to Medicine. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh. Who would you Who would you want to see on that panel aside from everyone? Um, I think Quad would be necessary. Um, Quad has been very vocal about the disparity in, you know, uh, promotion and um, how that, you know, how their fran- how the franchise is is looked at differently. Um, you know, that's been a very successful franchise, but it's not considered, you know, of the same caliber as, you know, the Housewives. And it's because, they, you know, under this different umbrella, but also it's let's be clear. It's also because it's an all black cast. I mean, you could VPR doesn't fall under any other umbrella, really. Mm-hmm. And they have a lot of promotion. They're successful. Um, so I definitely I would quad. I would likely. Um, oof. If Phaedra's back, maybe Phaedra. I heard Phaedra's coming back, y'all. Um, who else? I mean, Dr. Jackie Hmm. would be really great. Um, and then of course, like, I think, well, 
candy, I would put candy in because candy and Phaedra can't be in. So, okay, well, let's put candy in from Atlanta. Uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, how do you... Oh, Kenya. Kenya mm-hmm. would be very, very vocal about about that. Um, yeah, I'm really going to think about who would be a great moderator for a panel like that. I don't know if it's going to happen at BravoCon. I think you should get in touch with the people at BravoCon HQ, though, and potentially see if there's a collab. But you have a fucking podcast and a big-ass platform. I would love to hear a conversation that you participate in, and if you want a specific moderator. But I would think that any number of Bravo Lebs would be potentially interested in participating in that. And my thing with Bravo is, like, mm, sometimes I don't deliver in the opportunities that they absolutely could if they gave uh enough of a shit about it or you know like I I don't know that they would deliver on that which is unfortunate but also considering Candy's efforts to make the um race was it called race in America specials mm-hmm. um yeah and her work behind the scenes that she's spoken about with, I think, some strategies specific to her show. Um, I would love to see that happen. I, mm. I don't I think that it could. And I don't know that if Bravo doesn't do it or regardless of Bravo doing it, I think I, I just I just know as a, a listener that, that I would run to that episode, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot and there's so many different sides and, you know, so many different facets to it. But I again, I just commend them for being brave enough to engage in that conversation, however they were able to engage in that conversation. Yeah. I mean, and I'm so appreciative of your bravery and perspective, because I think for certainly for non-black listeners of the podcast um it's i think it's important that they hear this you know like i think it's it's also the opportunity of andy's girls to have these kinds of conversations long form so that we can talk about sprinkle cookies (laughs) (laughs) versus pinoli and i really want a sprinkle cookie you know what what's your what's your preference sprinkle or pinoli I don't know if I know what a pinoli is. I've Googled it. I've had, I'm, I'm half, I'm a pizza bagel. I'm half Italian. I don't know why. Like at one point I taught myself to understand what it was and I forgot again. I should ask my mother-in-law. Um, she, then I'll, I'll just, I just got the meatball recipe. Oh. Okay. Uh, my very Italian mother-in-law. So I don't know if I can ask her what a pignoli is. I might get. <laughs> okay. Here's, here's my, not that I'm assigning you homework, but here we go. Before the next time you come no. on Andy's girls, which is hopefully in about an hour and a half, ask your mother-in-law <laughs> what her reaction would be if at a holiday party, or whatever else, someone showed up at her door with sprinkle cookies. Okay, I will ask her. I will ask her. See, she's a she's a Chicago Italian oh, lady. So we don't want to fuck with her at all. Yeah, but she like she she's been living in Canada for a while, so it's like oh. there's there's levels to this. There's levels to this. So maybe we can <laughs> fuck with her. <laughs> She'll be more open to it. I don't know that I would fuck with. <laughs> 
you have to ask an Italian. I don't know. I'm a New Englander. We're we're just we're a little bit we're a little bit I don't know. We've been in the we've been in the dryer a little bit longer. <laughs> Something else. Listen, Erica Cobb, you know I'm obsessed with you. Thank you so much for coming on. I cannot wait to hear your opinions when you watch the reunion. Uh Gotta come on before part three. Three parts. They're giving it three it's fucking three parts. parts. I know. And I'm like, you know what? I don't Man. doubt anything, any creative decision that the great minds behind this season of Miami have done. I'm just like, oh my God. So all three parts are going to be excellent. Because I'm going to tell you, the first part oh. was one of the best reunions I've seen. I'm not joking. I was like so oh fucking in it. I watched it twice today. I watched it twice. I okay, I'm I'm game because first of all, I'm obsessed with Nicole. I proposed <gasps> to her. I proposed did you? marriage at BravoCon. Yeah, she. Did you see her? I mean, I was like, I I was I I said uh, I heard you got engaged. She was like, yeah. She showed me the ring. I was like, uh, bitch, if he wasn't gonna ask you to marry him, <laughs> I was going to like, jeez, she didn't even look real. Like, what? And she's a doctor. Like, oh, come on. She's not only a doctor, but she's a fucking genius at real estate because she revealed, spoiler alert, yeah. on the first episode of the reunion. So they recently sold their gorgeous, ridiculously stunning house for $44 million. Andy mm-hmm. said 40 and she was like, 44? Guess how much they bought mm-hmm. that shit for a year and a half ago? I'm not even going to let you guess. $13 million. In a year and a half, they took a $13 million investment plus whatever costs they put into their, you know, mm-hmm. hashtag redone home. And they sold that motherfucker in a, a year and a half later for $44 million. Teach me your talent. Um, girl... I knew I loved her. I knew I loved her. Okay? Okay. Because I paid attention. Nicole paid attention. (laughs) When people, when rich folks was talking, Mm -hmm. I was paying attention. And I was like, to my husband, like, I know this isn't the practical choice in the moment. But I'm thinking, (laughs) they can build more houses, but they ain't building more land. Yeah. Yeah. Location, location, location. And put that up okay build it up build it up i that's pay attention when rich folks talking okay Okay. (laughs) i mean and speaking of paying attention but like totally totally different conversation i can almost guarantee that you are gonna have an opinion about the way that alexia and larsa received dr nicole talking about her relationship with her dad it was something and I've had this conversation on AG and you know agree to disagree I'm a big fan of like let's look at the reality here and just because a person is your family member does not mean if the benefit of keeping them in your life is completely outweighed by emotional damage toxicity Mm. triggers you gotta kind of figure it out and sometimes that means keeping someone at a distance and sometimes that means like I'm gonna remember the good times but I gotta kind of move on I it's it is so complicated it gets into here I am fucking talking about it. You haven't even watched the goddamn app. It gets into <laughs> so much stuff about like, how do you, it's kind of, it's much to me, much, it's more serious. It's very complex. I would argue potentially mm-hmm. more complex than what we're seeing happen in New Jersey. And just the layers of it, of like, mm-hmm. as a ch- adult child of this person who is my parent but did not 
always treat me in the manner that would have been most responsible to me from a physical perspective, like uh, keeping her physically safe and also Mm. emotionally safe. And how do we create a new dynamic where I feel like I'm still being validated for my experiences in past? Like I shouldn't have to let that go, but I think I can carry it with me and see where things go. It's just so complicated and so nuanced. And I just really appreciate Nicole, your um, love of your life for, for sharing that (laughs) with us, honestly. And you know, she had to defend herself, as happens at reunions, including about really yeah. sensitive subjects. But I really, 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 really empathi- empathized with her. I really, really did. Mm. Uh, my heart. Maybe I'll have a glass of wine. <laughs> yeah, before. you need to have a little turtle time. Also, we didn't even talk about Vanderpump Rules, which God bless you guys. You can see it <laughs> on my fucking social or Google.com or like any number of stuff. And I'm going to put out another Patreon episode all focused on it. Patreon.com slash Annie's Girls. You it's just there's a lot. So you're coming back stat and we're talking about that. Yes. And we're talking about Miami and we're talking about New Jersey and we're talking about some other stuff. So just so you know. Child, I might fly out to see you <laughs> oh in the Clawfist, okay? Come back to the cloth. Listen, I have taken up more than enough of your time. Can you tell <laughs> people a little bit about where they can um, watch Daily Blast Live and a little bit about the comeback with Erica Cobb? Yes. Um, comeback with Erica Cobb is available wherever you're listening to Andy's Girls right now. Um, and Daily Blast Live is uh, on Monday through Friday on broadcast. And we're in 55% of the country. Ooh. And so if you get us on broadcast, just uh, go to at Daily Blast Live anywhere. If not, you can watch us on YouTube live. And we have so much fun. You can communicate with us in the moment about trending and breaking stories and it's cool. So I'd love to get y'all to follow on. And you always can follow me at Erica Cobb. Phenomenal. And guys, got a bunch of highlights saved. I think we're just about on the third highlight. And each highlight, by the way, for Instagram stories contains 100 in IG stories. And we're right up on highlight number th- three of all things Scandaval. So go to my Instagram. Give me a little follow. See all the shit that's going down. Um, I talk about other stuff too, but I've been doing some Vanderpools and the results, which I saved in my highlights, are a wild fucking ride. Also, support the AG Patreon. Best way is, uh, you know, joining that fucker. You get exclusive bonus episodes and so much more at patreon.com slash Andy's Um, P.S. We didn't even talk about my birthday, which is in... It's not today. I'm just saying I'm an asshole. Um, it's in... How does math work? It's the 27th. It's in a couple weeks. So countdown... I share it with Vicki Gumbelson. I carry that with me. So pray for me every year. Victoria and the OGs celebrating their birthdays on the same day. It's my cross to bear. Um, but guys, you know, it's big Aries energy is what I'll say this month. Big Aries energy. What sign are you? Happy early birthday. Thank you. I got I'm an Aquarius. What does that mean? I don't actually know astrology aside from my own, which is another indicator that I'm an Aries. <laughs> My birthday is February 14th. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow, that's tough. Yeah. Because <laughs> don't you miss one of the holidays? I know that Valentine's doesn't count, but it absolutely does if you are in a yes, position to receive gifts. That's tough. Yeah. No, um, my husband is like the best man ever. Mm. I love him so much. And a part of when we first got together, he was like, 
okay, we're going to celebrate your birthday on this day and we're going to celebrate Valentine's Day on this day. So which, you know, so he does both and he's like seriously the best man. I love him. I love that. Oh my God. You know what? My love language is all of them. I have to say, you know how there's like a breakdown. It's all gifts are great, but it's also all of them. I think if if there's a love (laughs) language called all of them connected to my hinge, that would be the one for me. Um, listen, die for you. Please come back ASAP. I will. Thanks for listening to this episode and we will chat with you soon. Bye-bye.